0: The breach was far too wide, but from the far side of the chasm, you held me in your sight. So you made a way across the great divide, left behind heaven's throne to build it here inside. my chains freed my soul for the first time i had hope thank you jesus for the blood applied thank you jesus it has washed me white thank you jesus you have saved my me from the darkness into glorious light you took my place laid inside my tomb of sin you were buried for three days and then you walked right out again and now death has no sting And life has no end, for I have been transformed by the blood of the Lamb. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you jesus you have saved my life brought me from the darkness into glorious light there is nothing stronger than the wonder ransomed by your Father through the blood, the blood. There is nothing stronger. has washed me white thank you jesus you have saved my life brought me from the darkness into glory.
1: Welcome to worship today. Good that you're here. If you're worshiping with us online or in person, so good to see you and have you with us in worship. My name is Aaron Rosenau, one of the pastors here. Um, we're continuing a series right now we started a few weeks ago. It's called Faith for Generations. It's the theme of our 75th anniversary of ministry at Faith Lutheran Church. Are you excited about that? 75 years, Faith for Generations. Yeah. Uh, so something worth celebrating, and we want to celebrate that. We are going to celebrate that. In fact, I want you to mark it on your calendars. Plan to be with us February 18th. is just a few days after our actual anniversary. Uh, Sunday, February 18th, we will have only one worship service that weekend. And I know some of you who worship with us every weekend, you're thinking, okay, yes, I've heard this. But maybe you've heard, now you're hearing this for the first time. Maybe you haven't seen us over the last few weeks, and you're hearing me say this for the first time, and everyone needs to know, do not come to faith or here at our celebration ministry center on February 17th or 18th, because we will not have worship here. It will only have one worship service on the 18th, at 10 a.m. at Lawrence University. So join us at the chapel there. Uh, love to have you. Uh, No need to RSVP or anything, just show up for worship. We'll love to uh, celebrate together. The whole idea is that we wanna be one family all together at once, and we just don't have a facility big enough here um, to house us all at once. So we wanna worship together. Uh, So Lawrence Chapel, 10 o'clock in the morning on the 18th. We'll have lunch after that at the Paper Valley Hotel just down the street from Lawrence, and you are welcome to join us for that. But for that, you will need to RSVP. We will not have a lunch for you unless you RSVP. So you can do that. There's some paper forms that are uh, a green in color in the commons. You can go online to faithfoxvalley.org slash 75lunchRSVP slash 75lunchRSVP or the banner that's right on the front page of our website. You can find it there as well. And uh, join us for lunch on the 18th. Uh, by the way, we will have a shuttle that goes between the Paper Valley and Lawrence because there's just not enough parking in the parking lot at Lawrence. So there's going to be a shuttle going back and forth. And we'll have some information very soon about, uh, you know, with a map and everything that you need to know about that for the 18th. All right. Now, also celebrating our 75th anniversary, we're having a hymn festival Sunday afternoon. So 1.30 uh, Sunday afternoon, Faith Ministry Center. Uh, it'll be really great. We're doing that with, combined with Faith Lutheran in Green Bay and Faith Lutheran here in Appleton. A combined choir, instruments, it'll be great. We have a commissioned piece that was, uh, that was made just for us in our 75th anniversary here at Faith. So we want to uh, unveil that, premiere that uh, at the Hymn Fest at 1.30. Um, that, I think, is all the announcements I have for today. Wow, Amazing before we begin with singing, I'm gonna invite everyone to stand up, turn to those who are around you in worship and greet one another in the Lord.
0: You can continue to stand as we start our first song, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch Was blind, but now I see. Twas great.
1: In the presence of God, we bring our confession. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, we confess that we have sinned against you and our neighbor in thought, word, and deed. We have not loved you with our whole heart, nor have we loved our neighbors as ourselves. You desire a trusting heart, but we doubt. You desire a forgiving heart, but we resent. You desire a willing heart, but we rebel. You desire a giving heart, but we withhold. We have followed the temptations of our own hearts and fallen short of your desires. Have mercy upon us, forgive us our sins, and lead us to everlasting life. Amen. It is so good, isn't it, that God's love is so vast and enduring, never-ending. The Bible tells us that God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding, in love and faithfulness. It's my privilege to announce that good news to you once again, to assure you that you are forgiven the blood of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, you are forgiven. Amen. Let's have a seat and continue our worship of God.
0: Torn up pages in this book Words that tell me I'm no good Chapters that define me for so long But the hands of grace and endless love Dusted off and picked me up Told my heart that hope is never gone God is it.
1: To the Word of God today, and first hear from St. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave us as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love By comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And here's my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year you were first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality. As it is written, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly, Or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, He has scattered abroad His gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever." Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Now for the reading of the gospel, I invite you to stand as we hear from our Lord. In Matthew chapter six, Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. When you walk away from worship today, here's what I want you to remember. In the love of God, there are no excuses. In the love of God, there are no excuses. There was a Seinfeld episode years ago. Yes, I'm mentioning Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld really did not want to spend time with a particular friend. And so every time this guy called, he would have another excuse for him why they could not get together. And, but he was, just, he was coming up with excuses just right off the top of his head, right in that moment. And he just joked that, you know, what I really need is some kind of an excuse Rolodex. So I always have some excuse. Just go down the list, right? Um, so I always have something. And most of us can relate, right? If we really don't want to do something, there's always an excuse. I can't go. I'm too busy. I can't give. Things are tight right now. I can't help. That's just not my gift. Whatever it is, true or not, we can come up with excuses, Years ago I had an opportunity to go to uh, a place where people refused to make excuses. It was a trip to Thailand where I visited a refugee camp. It was right on the border between Thailand and what used to be called Burma, now it's called Myanmar. When the United States pulled out of Vietnam and all of Southeast Asia, the The Karen people who were living in Burma and sided with the US came under intense pressure and persecution because they had sided with the US, and now the US pulled out and they were left high and dry. And so many of them were massacred, and the rest fled from from Burma into Thailand. And for decades now, they have lived in refugee camps. They're not, they're not citizens of Thailand, but they can't go back to Myanmar either. And so they're in these refugee camps all, all along, tens and tens of thousands of the Karen people. And life there in their refugee camps is hard. I got to visit there. I slept on a, a bamboo mat I didn't have a bed. No one had a bed. You sleep on the floor. They were good enough to give us a mat to sleep on. The water supply for the camp, the Thai government is good enough that they supply water, but they turn the valve on twice a day, once in the morning and once in the evening. And so we see this little girl and the, all these pots around her. There's a spigot which serves you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people around that, that space. And they just leave the valve open. When the, when the Thai government opens the valve on the other end and the water starts flowing, the kids rush out there with pots and pans and buckets and, and they collect the water until it stops flowing and they take it back to their little huts. Most are not permitted to work. I mean, outside of the refugee camp, or ref, refugee camp, because that would be taking work away from the Thai citizens. And so the people in the refugee camp are terribly poor. I, was, uh, I don't know if you can see it very well in the picture here, but there's a man down in this stream, this little river that runs through the refugee camp, there's a man standing there, and as we walked by, I, I took a picture because he was washing his laundry in the river, and then as he was washing his laundry, he took a, a scoop, a, like a cup, and he poured it over himself and just to you know, cool himself and wash himself, and then he dipped the, water, the cup back in the water and took a drink of it. Same place where he's washing his laundry and taking a bath, he's drinking the water. The kids who were running around the refugee camp, their only toys were basically, you know, two sticks, one long stick and then a cross piece, and then two wheels put on either end of that small cross piece. And they just run and chase each other around with a stick with a couple wheels on it. That was their toys, and they were content with that. The church building that they had. It was, you know, some wood posts and some cross beams to hold it together and some corrugated metal on the top and completely wide open on the sides. It wasn't a whole lot, just a little bit of shelter. And they scrounged up some chairs and they sat there and worship. But I'll tell you, when they these people had nothing. Nothing. But the praise and the joy of their worship Oh my goodness, I have not heard, for the amount of people that were in that church, the volume that they produced in praising God was unbelievable. Now this is when they're really still because they were listening to someone preach. I took this picture, but otherwise they were standing and arms raised and jumping around and bringing their praise and joy to God. And it was loud. And their generosity. Oh my goodness. Again, these are people who had Nothing. And yet we sat down to eat and they put out a spread in front of us. I don't even have a good picture of the amount of food there, just a small picture of some of it that was right in front of me. They, they put garnishes around it and everything. They gave us more than they, than they had and they treated us like royalty when we were there because they wanted to give to their brothers and sisters in Christ. It's unbelievable. Our Guatemala mission team has said the same thing about their trips to El Oregano. They go into a third world setting with people who have so little compared to what we have and they give. People are raising chickens, some of them, raising chickens to sell And yet they take their chickens that they could get money from and they slaughter them for the feast to give to Americans when they come and visit. Out of their poverty flows generosity. It's unbelievable. Why? Because in their love for God, there are no excuses. In their love for God, being poor is no excuse for them. Paul had this experience with the Christians in Macedonia, which is part of Greece, not far from Corinth, where these people, the Christians, are receiving the letter that was written by Paul we know as 2 Corinthians. So in Macedonia Macedonian, part of Greece, Paul is raising up the Christians there as an example. He says, brothers and sisters, We want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. They have been severely tested by the troubles they went through. And that that word trouble uh, is the word that John uses in Revelation 7 when he talks about the great tribulation. They were going through all kinds of severe trial and tribulation not exactly clear what the Macedonians were going through at that time other than general persecution of Christians, but whatever the affliction that they were going through, it had two results. One was poverty. Poverty. 2 Corinthians 8.2. Even though they are very poor, and this is, this is not just, you know, I have a smaller house than anybody else on the block. You know, like mine's the cheapest house in the neighborhood. It's not kind of that poor. This is not a peasant who just has less than the, the, the master in the house. This is people who are devoid of material possessions. They have nothing. They're destitute. Extreme poverty, Paul calls it. Now, the Greek word in the original language here actually comes from a word for crouching down or cowering like you would be a beggar, crouching down and begging. That's how they were. They're beggars, the Christians in Macedonia. Now, at the same time, their severe trial and tribulation resulted in excessive joy, overflowing joy, he says, and the Greek word there is parousia, peri like, peri, like perimeter, it was around, right? Parousia, which is joy all the way around. It's exceeding joy. And the key is that the Macedonians, whom Paul's elevating as this example for other Christians, they're surrounded by trouble, and yet joy envelops them, right? They're just surrounded by joy like the Karen people in Thailand in that refugee camp. Trouble seemed to pursue them, but they were so full of joy, they made no excuses. They could have said, we have nothing. Please help us. Instead, this is what Paul says about the Macedonians. They have severely; they have been severely tested by the troubles they went through, and even though they are very poor, their overflowing joy welled up in rich generosity. I don't know about you; this just amazes me. Their poverty and their troubles welled up in generosity. For I testify that they gave us as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the saints. And the service, what Paul's talking about here is that he was taking a collection from all the churches where he preached so he could take it back to the church in Jerusalem, which was extremely persecuted at that time, and who had nothing. So he's bringing a collection of the, the saints to the people of Jerusalem, the Christians in Jerusalem, and the Macedonian churches who have nothing Plead with Paul for the privilege of joining in that offering to give to others because their love for God destroyed excuses. What is it I said I want you to remember when you walk away today? In the love of God, there are no excuses. In the love of God, there are no excuses. Now, there really is a double meaning here, love of God. Now, certainly for the Macedonians, for the Karen, for the people of El Argonal, the examples I've shared today, for them, for us, right? I mean, it's, it's love for God. And in that love for God, we don't make excuses. But even more, it's, it's, where, where does that love for God come from? It really flows from the other side of this meaning, love of God. That is, it's a love from God. God does not make excuses. God's love for humanity is unbelievable. So, God could have said, when everything is broken in creation, after He made it all very good and everything is now broken, He could have said, you know what, it's their own fault. Their problems are for them to fix. I've done enough. God could have said, I didn't break it, and fixing it is way too costly. But God didn't make excuses. In God's love, there are no excuses. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, Paul says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that, Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. This is the good news of the gospel. Jesus Christ, who is God himself, has everything, the praise of all creation, steps down from that and becomes utterly impoverished with nothing and even dies on a cross so that through his poverty, you might become rich. One pastor friend of mine likes to emphasize that the very, very important point that all giving really starts from God. John 3, 16, right? God so loved the world that he what? Uh, This is a test to see if you're actually awake, right? (laughs) God so loved the world that he what? He gave, right? God so loved the world that he gave. All giving starts from God. And this is not just a token gift, right? Sometimes someone asks for giving and you pull the wallet out and you go, well, I got a five, a 10, and a 20. I think I can give the five, right? I can give the 10 or whatever. And kind of, you balance out, well, I kind of need the 20 for later for dinner or something like that. You, so you kind of give a token gift, Right? No, this is is not what God's doing. God's not just sort of giving a token gift. God's not just sort of giving a bucket out of the ocean. He's giving everything. He gave his one and only son. It's all. And when Jesus Christ was here on earth, right? Colossians 2 talks about this. In Christ is the fullness of God. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, the fullness of God in bodily form that is crucified for us. He gave his entire life. When he cried out, he breathed his last. He said it's finished. And he gave of his spirit, right? He gave it all. God so loved the world that he gave. There's no excuse. God didn't break it, but God gave the price to make it right for you. He gave for you. You know, there are a lot of others who have given for you too, whether you recognize it or not. You know that we've been doing this series and we're ramping up right to our 75th anniversary. The series is called Faith for Generations, same as our theme for celebrating our 75th 75th anniversary. Faith for Generations, it understands that there are many people who have gone before us, most of them who are with Jesus now, uh, who gave in the very beginning of the, of the church called Faith Lutheran and built what we have today and the facilities that we have and preaching the gospel in this community in a collection of people called Faith Lutheran and they, they, they gave and many others who gave of their time and their energy to teach, whether that's in Sunday school or small groups or whatever, to, to be able to teach us about the faith. So where we are, so that we could be where we are today. Now it's our opportunity to give of ourselves for the sake of generations, some of them yet unborn, who will be a part of faith Lutheran Church in years ahead, and God willing, well after we're in heaven with Jesus, the ministry of faith continues on. And what we're asking of our congregation uh, in in this next month, I mean, on February 18th, we're gonna ask our congregation to give a pledge above and beyond regular giving. we, We give our offerings each week, but above and beyond that, we're asking our whole family to come together and say, I'm, I'm going to give for the work of the church for now generations to come because so we can fix up our facilities and, and plan for the future so that we have a place that's safe and, and, um, and, and good for generations to come. Now we could come up with all kinds of reasons why it's not a, time, not a good time to give the economy, inflation, uncertain future, right? It's an election year. God only knows what's gonna happen with stocks and everything else. I'm planning for retirement. My kids are in college, right? All kinds of debt. we get to come up with all kinds of excuses. But I want you to consider God's love for you as you're thinking about what you're gonna give for faith for generations. Because in the love of God for you, there are no excuses. And I pray that there won't be for you to in your response to God's love. Now, trust me, we have zero desire to motivate you by guilt. I have zero desire that you would give out of compulsion or because you feel guilty that you haven't given enough. No, no, this is, this is really between you and God, right? Responding to what God has given, each person, Paul says, should give what they have decided in their heart to give. Let's put that verse up on the screen, Caleb. Each person should give what they have decided in their heart to give, not reluctantly, or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Flowing from the love of God, we give. Let it just be the joy of the Spirit, the joy of what God has given, grateful for his many gifts. Freely you have received, Jesus says, now freely give. Amen. As the band is coming back up here to lead us in this next song, Holy Forever, uh, let me just say a word of thanks. This is a time when we bring our regular offerings to the Lord. It's an opportunity for us to respond to his goodness. Each and every week we do this as an act of our worship. Yes, the church depends on offerings of people, but let me just say this. Your giving is much more, um, let, let me ask you to give more because you want to grow in faith, in trusting God, more than it is about the need of the church. Their giving, it really is a, it's a spiritual discipline. It's a, I'm going to give a portion of what God's entrusted to me so that I'll do with less for the sake of the greater kingdom. And I need to trust that God's still gonna provide for me. So when you're giving, give out of that, that trust as an act of faith in response to all that God has given. Let's bring our offerings to the Lord and our offering of song.
0: and generations falling down to worship to sing a song of ages to the land, and all have gone before us and all who will believe will sing a song of ages to the land. Your name is the highest Your name stands above them all
1: God, you will always be holy, holy forever. All creation cries holy, angels cry holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole universe is filled with his glory. We thank you, Lord that though you are holy and set apart, and completely beyond us, you have called us into your presence to to receive your goodness and blessing, to benefit from your love and mercy, to bring our requests and our troubles, our celebrations and joys and our tribulations. You've invited us to come and to bring our, our prayers, trusting that you will hear us for Jesus' sake. And so we come. Lord, on behalf of those who are hurting and sick, for Al Brightlow and Marilyn Oshin, Dick Stern, Jerry Merol, Kim Leffring, and all others we know who are, who are sick hospitalized, those who are depressed, those who are full of anxiety, those who are dying and those who care for them. We lift them up to you, Lord, holy God. Bring healing and restoration, we pray. Bring courage, patience, and bring faith that they would trust you, even in their most difficult days, so that out of their extreme trials, their joy might overflow in rich generosity. Gracious Lord, we, we celebrate with those who are remembering, marking those special occasions of life, which are a gift from you. Thank you for Aaron and Jan Ashbrenner who are celebrating this weekend 57 years of marriage. And all others this week, this month, who are marking their anniversaries, pray that you would give them joy and generous and serving hearts toward one another, that their love for one another might be an example for those around them. We also celebrate with those who are baptized, who are brought into the, to the family of God through the Holy Spirit, the washing of rebirth and regeneration that comes in the name of Jesus. We thank you for Jemiah President who was baptized in our chapel service at Celebration School this week. We thank you for Emery Voigt, who will be baptized this weekend in worship and all others who are remembering this special blessing each and every day that you have called us to be your baptized, washed, renewed children of God. Lord, where there is trouble, where there is warfare, where there is violence, we pray that you would work mightily to bring peace. Where there is selfishness, we pray that you would bring generosity. Lord, where there's brokenness, we pray that you would bring healing. In all the prayers that we've named here and all those that remain unspoken, we lift up to you in your throne of grace in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray. Our Father, Now, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen.
0: Great is your faithfulness, O God. So, with the sinner's heart, you lead me by still waters into mercy, and nothing can keep us up.